Hi, everyone, and welcome to the European Startup Show, where every week I talk to exciting startups in Europe to learn more about the challenges and strategies they use to scale their business. Before we get into the podcast, a word from our sponsors of this episode. Chargebee is the leading subscription billing platform that powers some of the best SaaS startups, such as Hopkins, Bendesk, Livestorm, and Team Leader. The platform is powerful for startups to navigate complex tax compliance, invoicing, and billing regulations. You can also experiment with different pricing models and localize pricing and checkout experience. Check them out at chargebee.com. E-Residency is a digital gateway to the Estonian startup scene for foreign founders and entrepreneurs. The birthplace of Skype, Wise, and Bolt, Estonia has many advantages for early-state startups for doing business remotely. 90,000 e-residents have already joined. Read more about what they offer on their website at eresident.gov.ee. And now, let's get into today's episode. Startups are no strangers to using no-code technology for every aspect of their business. Finance, operations, marketing, website, and building their initial minimum viable product, or what's known as MVP. But today's guest has built their whole business using no-code, and they have been very successful at it. My guest today is Gerson Mayer, co-founder and technology officer of Sofic Properties, a prop tech company based out of Madrid that's transforming the prime real estate, prime residential sector with its innovative use of technology. Using different models and intelligent algorithms, Sofic Properties locates, evaluates, and validates opportunities in real time, adapting to the needs of each investment. In 2023 alone, they will complete 16 operations, totaling $30 million. And like I said in the beginning, they've done all this using no-code technologies for their core business process. So in today's episode, I'm really curious to find out from Gerson on how they built this tech business without any tech people and what advice and tips he has for other entrepreneurs. So welcome, Gerson. Hello, Anita. Thank you for having me. Great. So Gerson, let's start off by you telling us a little bit about Sofik Properties and what your business is all about. Yes, thank you, Anita. Big Property is what we call technological company that is transforming how to buy, sell, and transform prime property. So we initiated the project with a know-how around eight years, uh, and I joined this project two years ago. So what we do is we try to find the best properties on the markets and find the perfect home for the new owner. Okay. We have so far in the last eight years, almost 47 properties worth uh, 60 million euros. But as you mentioned, this year alone, we are we're finalizing 16 projects and making 30, 30 million euros. And we plan to do duplicate sales next year and in 225, again, to duplicate. So our goal is to get to the 100 million in sales in 2025. Tell me a little bit about what you do and how is it currently done before Sofiq and the way you have done it, how is this typical way of finding properties and putting a valuation together, finding a buyer, refurbishing, what's the way they did it before you innovated around it? Correct. So like any other sectors that were transformed or are being transformed by digitalization, real estate has been very analog especially when you're talking about prime property, where there are a lot of subjective variables 
and there's uh, a lot of subjective uh, involvement. So in the past, typically the sector has been done very in a very personal way, analyzing properties in a very manual way. No, every property is different. So there was hard use of technology or data to to make this kind of analysis. No, there's always big data analysis. No, you can always have macro trends. Uh, you could have a, a lot of data that is available. But due to the nature of prime property, where the transactions are actually very few, no, they're high quantity, but not that much. And we are aimed in a very specific area. There is actually no big data that can help you to make decisions about investments. So when I joined the project two, uh, two years ago, and I, as a, a lover of technology and having working companies that have helped transform sectors like in the financial industry and, and others, other financial sectors, I identify this similarity about how technology can really help humans, no, the, the realtors, to make better decisions. So it's the aim was never to let's build a company that technology will make decisions by their own. So that was not the intention. We don't have that scalability. We learned that in other countries, for example, in the USA, companies like Silo are using technology and algorithm to evaluate properties at scale. They have a lot of that. They're doing all properties in a very big country. But and curiously, uh, we also had learned news about this company making wrong decisions because of this algorithm. Companies like Silo, I think, I don't remember right, but they were like maybe a couple hundred millions in losses because they were buying property with algorithm and technology that, are, that was not selling. We saw this news and we didn't want to go in that direction. So we say, let's use technology not to replace human decisions, but to make humans really more capable of making decisions. The prime property business is, again, very traditional. It's very competitive because there's a lot of people here with a lot of connections, uh, a lot of money. So actually to transform how we do things, we need to be very good. We don't come from this sector. So this is important to mention. We don't come from the sector and we don't come from Spain. I'm originally from Mexico City, having lived in Europe almost over 20 years. So imagine you are in a very competitive, very, I don't know, proprietary, elitist sector, know what everybody knows each other. And you are suddenly in very few time becoming a leader on, on how you are buying and selling property. And the magic behind has been uh, using technology. So I live in the UK and there's Right Move and there's Zoopla. And if I go and I want to sell my property or I want to buy some property and I give the code, it shows me transaction history and valuation of that property. So what is the hole or the gap that you saw and where you felt technology could be used? Correct. So to, to maybe to also give some clarification, our company is not a platform for third parties that you will join or go in a website and evaluate and buy property. So originally, or our, our main idea is that we are the company that is buying this property. So we are uh, we have a pool of, of, of capital partners that provide funding. So we are the, the company buying these properties. And, and we were using we're using technology to be more efficient. So when you say there's of course a lot of tools also here in Spain that help you evaluate buildings, no evaluate prime property or any kind of property. Right. But again, because this data is based on very macro data, it's not almost uh, always accurate, and it's not all not only about being able to have evaluation, but a, being able to get to the opportunity 
as fast as possible, and in almost very short time, we do it in real time, be able to evaluate the property and make a decision that is worth millions of euros and not make a mistake. So I don't think this, again, the one thing is to make a, we use also a lot of platforms to do, to, com to complement our analysis once we're already in the decision process, right? To make sure you know, the things around, the trends of the price, et cetera. But that doesn't, that, that, that comes already when you, you are in, a, in, if you have a choice to purchase some property, in the case of in the prime property, because there's a lot of demand and very few offer. No, there is nothing new built in, in, in the center of Madrid. Everything has been built. And Madrid is a city with a lot of history, with buildings over 100 years. That the demand is what, no, the, the offer is what, and there's a lot of demand coming in Spain to the Europeans and other, other people from Spain and the whole Latin America countries joining to Spain. So being a lot of demand, the competition is very fierce. So there is no way to... And now to, to go and find the property or your dreams. Uh, one alternative is go to a real estate agency and they will show you product, but it's very hard to find really very good property. And what we do is being able to evaluate variables that nobody is evaluating. So it's, a, it's around getting information that's very subjective. For example, we evaluate orientation of buildings, how many floors, how many steps you need to access to the elevator? How big is the elevator? What are the quality of the views inside the buildings? What is the quality of the view outside from the building? How high are the ceilings of the apartment? How is the distribution this potential of the building? So it, there are over 100 subjective variables that actually the only way to do this, and this is how people buy properties, to visit a lot of property. So if you go and you want to buy a home, you have to visit 50, 70, 100 homes so that you know this is your house of your dreams. So this is how what, how, what people do. But imagine you need to buy now 50, 50 or 100 properties, and it's not where you're going to live. So you need a process and a way to systemize how you're evaluating things. And this is how, what we do, right? Rather than a client of us to have to visit hundreds of properties to get to this idea or methodology, uh, we, they can go, come to us, to an expert, and, and buy a property that's already been checked by all these parameters. Very interesting. I think I could spend an entire show just understanding your business and how you help clients find their dream property. But let's get into, you joined them two years ago. And what was the state of the business? And how did you decide on your product roadmap in terms of how you built out the core business using no code? Correct. So when I joined, my, my co-founders were already doing transactions, few of them, but they were already walking the streets, talking with people, trying to figure out what are the variables that make this property so special. Then another founder, which was actually new in Madrid, had to understand the different geographical areas, where were the good areas, where were the bad areas. And he was the one who started to create an, an Excel to try to identify patterns try to identify how all, all, all the opportunities visited, what were the things that were evaluating, and he was doing that at, with, with, with Excel. So this is where, when I joined, me coming from a background of, of knowing that there are tools are very available out there, no, no code tools that are very easy to use and can really help scale this process. 
this is where I, I started to replicate what they do. So everything that they do manually, all the, car the calculations they did in Excel, I put it in a no-code platform. Uh, we use Airtable, for example. And we were from here able not only to do all these properties that we were visiting, but we were able to integrate all the digital opportunities available to Airtable. So we're having, we're, we're already, so far we've been evaluating already over 20,000 uh, properties in this area and use the same methodology that we're doing for very few properties at scale. So this was like having a, an, an Excel on asteroids that is connected with the real world and the data is flowing in automatically and being evaluated based on the formulas and algorithms that we were using. And, and this made us the process scale, to, to scale, not only of the way of getting more or all opportunities in the system, but adding variables. No, there is this no-code platforms make very easy for business people like us that have some proficiency in technology to be able to make the process exactly as business needs to without having a technological developer as intermediary trying to define, okay, this is what I need, how can you create it, and then have this, this gap of, of, of knowledge and information. Me and the business being able to manipulate the technology using no-code, we were changing the algorithm, changing the variables, and changing the process on a daily basis. So this wow. was a, a feedback loop that was going daily. Every piece, every new parameter, every new finding immediately was being applied in the system and immediately was evaluating all the past and all the future by the same methodology. So this is actually how we were we identify that this was actually the future of how we will be assessing and evaluating a property and enable us to be so fast that actually we are the fastest now being able to pre-evaluate a property and once we visit the property and we provide on-site all the different over 50 or 100 variables on-site that we get an accurate immediate uh, price of how we will be paying for this property. So this is how, how, how we have done it so far. You took what was already in Excel and you put it in Airtable. Airtable is like Excel, but it also is a relational database. What about the algorithms and the logic? Is that within Airtable or did you use other tools for that? Correct. So an algorithm, I mean, as I understand, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's basically a formula, right? So you have an Excel formula where you say, this is a price plus, minus, plus, minus, plus. So in Excel, everybody knows to do a formula and this is actually an algorithm. The thing is that when you have a re relationship database, as you mentioned, your formulas are integrated with different databases. So this is like having many Excels interconnected and having a really more complex database, right? We have geographical data in database, which is pulling the value of the market in real time. And this is connected to the property listing. And this is connected to the building valuations. And this is connected to the visits and the, the visits of the realtor valuation. And all these different databases are interconnected. So you have a really a, a very robust algorithm that in the past would have taken maybe dozens of engineers and, and, and people working to try to figure out how to pull this data, how to pull the things. And this has been done everything by us, no, by practically by me, based on the feedback on the field, I was able to interconnect these databases and use an algorithm that it works across the board. Now integrated even 
to our our financial, no, how many how much about our accounting, our cash flow, and we're integrating step by step more and more databases, which enables to to make a, a very robust uh, and interdisciplinary algorithm. So you talked about Airtable for holding all the data and for creating algorithms what else did you evaluate can you give the audience some ideas on the correct. different things you have done correct so the challenge here anita was how this great interrelation database how can you make it practical to the people in the street how, i don't know if you have tried to open an excel on your mobile it's a catastrophic experience. You just you want to sell. Now imagine you are opening an interconnected database in your mobile. It's even more complex. It's the, the back then the app of Airtable is getting better and better. We can yeah. come up next later how I'm improving my workflow through these platforms. But in the past, the platform and the app was not suitable for a, a, a man on the field or a woman on the field that is not a technological person. Even I, as a technological person, I tried to, to use this on the field and, I, and I, it was not possible. So uh, that was one of our main challenges. Okay, we have a great no-code tool, but now do I have to go to a developer and have to ask to create a front-end platform based on this? And the answer was no. There's actually no-code platforms that are already connected to Airtable. Now, Airtable is an API platform at the at cell at the field level and it's their API is incredible and okay I don't have experience about connecting APIs do I need to go to an engineer to connect me the API no because these platforms are already interconnected so I use a platform called stacker which you just need to connect you just need to provide the API code one 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 token of Airtable which is extremely easy to get and I copy paste, and based on that, I got all my data in a software where by dragging and dropping, I was able to create mobile-friendly workflows for the people in the field to use. So I was creating web apps. These are not native apps. That will be the next step, which there are also no-code tools for that, and we'll be moving that in, in the next in the near future. But nowadays, everything is web app-based. And imagine me or myself is the one that is creating these interfaces these workflows based on what is good for people on the field. Part of the challenge of the companies is that trying to connect you know, what engineers do and the commercial people do. And, and there's a lot of discrepancy there in the people in the field of people not using technology. So this was other of the tools that we were able to connect using no code to be able to have a, a front-end experience, very easy to use for an insurance, for a real agents, real estate agent to use. Then we had notifications. We're like, how do we notify about things? Uh, well, we were using platforms like Slack that is also connected automatically to our table and was notifying in real time to all the mobile phones of our agents and our agents by clicking on the button, open our web app. So we were connecting no-code tools that made uh, processes uh, even more efficient and more robust and complex organizations spending uh, hundreds of thousands of euro in interconnecting or creating their own apps. Great. So you've talked about Airtable. You've talked about Stacker, which is what you use to create human-friendly web apps. Mm -hmm. So this is basically apps that you gave to front-end people that needed to input things that went into your database or that could see things from your database in a simplified manner without bringing up a very complex database. 
And then you use Slack for communication to be able to give them real-time information or what they needed or push a web app with information that they needed. Push notifications, correct. Because web apps, one of the the disadvantages of web apps, I think now is changing, but in the past was that there is no way to do push notifications. That's why you typically need to build an app. But when you have web apps, you don't have that feature, not yet. I think Apple is going that direction already, but it's, it's something new. So through Slack, I was able to communicate in real time about, no, oh, there is a new opportunity. It's on price. You have to go to visit. And, and, and based on that, uh, you connect all these three tools uh, in one. And so these tools on the front end was not only for them to view the data, they were able to manipulate the data. So you can really do workflows, like saying if you are on site, you click a button and then you can provide input to the database directly from a front end app. So this was really robust workflows that in the past would have been impossible to do. So I will, at the beginning, and I, was, I was always thinking, okay, this is my MVP. Uh, and then I'll figure out how I, based on when we have defined the commercial model that works and it's making us successful, I will then go to a company or I will hire an engineer and I'll, I'll make it robust. It's been two years and it's, in my ro- it's not in my roadmap to go to a third party to create an app for this because there is no need. Yeah. I mean, the volume of, of, the, of the data that we have is still under the limits of our table. So we're using maybe at the cloud 20% of the data that it's possible. It would be different if I do this for entire Spain or entire Europe, or if this tool would be used by thousands of agents. Of course, there will be limitations there. Maybe even then there will be solutions. But for our size of data and our size of people involved, no code and, and these, these no code platforms are more than enough. So it's not longer an MVP. This is our production technology. And right. we are working on it. Now Now we are going the second phase. We're making the algorithms more robust. We're adding more intelligence. Now we, I have people, you know, data scientists or software engineers, that they get the data from our table. And in Python, they do analysis. They do AI stuff. And the data goes back to our table. So the infrastructure at its core, which is a business technological infrastructure, continues to be no code and it's powered by more complex technologies in the background to make it bigger and to make it more proficient. Amazing what you've been able to achieve with no code. What about for project management? Are you using Notion, Airtable again? I mean, uh, the, the funny thing is that all these no code platforms started for departments like marketing, human resources, and project management. Why? Because these were departments or areas that need a lot of agility to be very fast, and their IT departments were too slow and too complicated, and they were more focused in the core business. Mm -hmm. So I started in the other way. I started using these technologies, what I knew from my marketing and MarTech experience, for my core business. And when I saw that door, that there it worked flawlessly, I had already the infrastructure to move to other fields with the same technology and with my same SaaS subscription. So I used, for example, Airtable for my entire project management. So I have another database and I replicate my workflow because we're doing also a very special workflow. And there are project management tools out there like Notion or Monday, and, and there are a lot of things. I, I'm, I'm, we test them, uh, but we're, we're, we had finally decided to go to to Airtable because now that we're thinking in databases and interrelationship databases, we're doing the same for our projects. We're connecting everything. We're connecting the product property database with the project management database 
and that's enabled us to have data uh, that is the central source of truth for everybody. So I have the data once from the core business and it's, it's been translated automatically to the project management side. It's gone, it's, it goes automatically to the marketing side. It goes everywhere. So one, I update the data once and in all my different silos and departments, I have the same data. So all these claims, when you go to our table now and you will see in their website, ah, single central source of truth. And they try to tackle all these complex project problems that big organizations have that everybody has experienced in their corporate life. As a startup, you are smaller and you are able to really replicate their claims about having silos interconnected and having tools that helps you to go extremely fast. So this makes us or enables me to not to to be very efficient with the people that we have. We are growing and we're not growing in people. We're just growing in revenue. So I do believe, Anita, that uh, I, I read a quote, I think one month ago that says, the future of companies is going to be very small teams, very small companies making a, a lot of revenue. And this is thankful to technology. This is thanks to tools like no-code. This is thanks to tools like AI integrated yeah. in, in, in no-code. One of the great things of my no-code landscape, I have a lot of, all, all of our tools we use are no-code. All of them are proficient in what they do and all of them are using AI to enhance their business or to enhance their platform. So I've been in these transitions to AI I have automatically become an AI company because all my workflows are now powered by AIs thanks to these platforms. And, and, and this, this, this makes the scalability even bigger as I originally thought. So yeah. I'm growing with the ecosystem and I'm adapting the process every time something new comes and implementing AI. New, now I'm implementing new AI workflows. In the past, I was inputting the data in Airtable in manual way. Now I have AI doing that for me. Mm. And in the past, I was creating marketing material manually. Now I do everything based on the data I have in Airtable. I tell the machine, you already have my data. It's classified. It's a structure and it's operational. Use this data, which is in real time actualized, to provide me all the copies for the different needs. Copy for my investors, copy for my website, copy for my social networks, all based on the same data. And because it's structure, the AI is very good. The output is very good. It's not, it's not imagining. It's really just uh, uh, using the language model to execute on the data that's available. So it's extremely accurate. And the human that we need to read the content, it's almost... 95% correct. We only maybe change a comma or we change uh, very almost nothing. Everything that goes out because it's very structured goes automatically. So imagine how fast and how scalable this can be. I love the idea. I want to go a little deeper into that example. So you have the data in Airtable and then you're creating all this communication and marketing copy based on that data. How are you doing that? What tools are you using to do that? The tools are already inside the place platforms. AI, it's already inside our table, like oh. Notion as well. For example, I have the property data. No? I have the project data of the investments. How, what is the total investment? What is going to be the revenue? What is our plans? I have the geographical data. I have all this data already structured. So when I create copy, I have a prompt in our table. It's a field that is called AI Assist, where I prompt say, okay, 
use the data from field A and B for the characteristics of the property. The financial of the project, you can take it from here and from here from here. And the geographical data, you take it from here from here. Based on these fields, create me a copy for investors that are aiming to invest in my projects with these characteristics. And based on that, all my projects automatically generate at scale a copy, which is individualized from the data, but also from the language, because of course AI uh, creates language individually. So it's not, in the past you were doing this when you were automating emails, no? where you use that, no? you use variables, but the text was the same. Right. In this case, you have variables that change, the text that, that change, and the creativity of the machine to tell them, okay, now I need a copy for a sales prospect to send an email to their real, real estate agencies. Now I, did, I need the copy for my internal employee, my, my internal ecosystem. Now I, so it changed the way how it formulates. Right. And for, for the different stakeholders and also for the format. And now I need it for social media. Now I need it for email. Now I need for a press release. So you have the different formats and it's done everything automatically. And of course, a human is always reading the final product. And but again, it's about five percent or less that they, that what they change. Okay, so we talked about the communication. We talked about the infrastructure data. We talked about project management, and we talked about web apps as a way to push the needed data to people who are not so technical. What about workflow? If you think about startups, they have if this do this, if that do this. Are you using something like Zapier to automate? What's the workflow no-code solution you're using? Yeah. Let me give you an example because one of the amazing things of no-code is just changing how we think about business models. In the past, for example, getting we, we for, for example, we have a, a, a private pool to fund our projects and we do project-based contracts. So each property of us, which is in the average of 2 million euros, will have 14 to 20 uh, investors. So that means you need 14 to 20 contracts. And if you do that time 16, we this year are making about 500 contracts for each individual investment. So imagine doing 500 contracts. So it's possible, but a normal company, a competitor would say, that's crazy. I rather aim to have two or three investors and then I have only two or three contracts. And then I have to hassle with communication, with managing the contracts, making mistakes, hiring assistant, hiring the other thing, hiring. So maybe I need two, three, four people to really make this workable. So the alternative is to say, no, I'll have three, three investors. We said, no, we want, we want to democratize as much as possible without becoming a, a crowd platform, because that's another business. To our family and friends, we want to be able to invite to this project to everybody we know. We have 70 people active investing in our projects. And again, in the, in the last two years, over our thousand contracts being managed. So how do we do this? This is where the workflows come in. I have the data already in our table, as mentioned. And then I use Sapier and these integrators to send to other no-code platforms. Like I use Doku, Doku Pilot. And, and what they do, they generate contracts automatically Based on a based on a template. This is also not new. Everybody knows about templates for making right. contracts. The new thing is that this is done automatically from Airtable from my working day database. So the data is I don't need to check it again. It goes automatically. And from DocuPilot, it goes automatically to DocuSign, and it's been sent automatically because all the data is structured. It, it goes flawlessly. 
So this is the process, but then you want to manage. You, you need an internal interface to manage all these contracts, who paid, who didn't pay. So in, Airtable enables now with interfaces to make your own apps. So based on the data, there is a section interface, what you start to doing, the same thing that I do with Stacker for the front end, I can do in the back end or in the front end of Airtable as well. And because this is more proficient, this, we do this internally. I create my own app where I have my workflow and I have buttons and I say, okay, send the contract. I click a button, Zapier, go to DocuPilot, go to DocuSign, etc. As soon as my accountant says the money just arrived, I say, okay, what, what, when it arrived, I put the date, enter, automatically connects via Zapier to Gmail and sends an email personalized at all the variable at the atomized level saying, hey, Juan, Thanks for your deposit. It arrived 100K for this project with this day. The project will start this and this and that. And this is an automatic notification system based on this platform. But we didn't stop there because we have friends and family and they're always calling us saying, how is the project going? When are you starting? When is it ending? And this is my mom. This is my grandpa. <laughs> These are not technological persons. These are people that want to have a, a more sense about how the business is doing. And I cannot have a business when 70 people are calling me every day to ask for the project. So what I did is the same methodology I did for the core business, the same platform stacker. I create an investor portal using this front end based on your table. So the all emails are automized and they have now a portal where they open up and they see the investments, they see the status of the project, they see all the data that I allow them to see from my base, from my Airtable. Now nobody's calling me. So now <laughs> I'm managing over a thousand contracts, over 70 people investing in overall more than uh, 10 million euros and not having to talk to them because they have all the data, which is the same data I actualize once. And it goes through my entire workflow, plus the integration goes to the front end, plus the notification, and everything is no code. There is no engineer, there is no script, there is no... So this is actually, the, as I say, the future of, of companies like this, of enterprises that, that can scale without the need of uh, a sophisticated uh, technological development. Really nice examples to bring to life how you've taken a specific use case, whether it's updating your investors on status, as in when you needed basis or communication, how you've put that together using a portal, Airtable, Zapier, Gmail, etc., which all have APIs that can talk to each other. It sounds to me like the core of everything that you do is Airtable. How yeah. easy was it to learn and become proficient in it. Sure. So you may not need IT developer, but you do need someone that, that use technology somehow. As long as you need someone that is proficient in Excel, for example, right? You need this kind of business technological capabilities. It's not a hard thing. You use Excel, you can use Airtable. Of course, it took me time to understand the potential of Airtable. And I, I would start step by step migrating the data. And I was starting to see how things were changing interconnected so i think it's more attitude of understanding that things are changing and that you're willing to change how you do things because the tools are there they are extremely easy to use there are there is youtube videos for everything there is ai for everything you can go to chat gpt and say okay i need a formula that connects this and that in your table and it will give you the formula which is 
there are complex formulas inside, but they're no longer complex to get because you just ask to GPT what you want to do and it will, uh, I will, I will spit out how, how you could do it, right? So it's I think it's more about the philosophy of having somebody on board that really understand that behaviors, how we do things need to change. I, when I was in my previous companies, I used to work for companies in Silicon Valley and New York where all these talks with the CTOs, very intelligent people, mentioning about the future of companies is, or the successful companies are the ones that are going to be connecting data. So when you understand that and you agree on that, then you understand that you need to have your data in platforms and need an API, that you need to be able to connect the data everywhere. And if you are connecting your data everywhere, how you structure your workflow needs to follow those guidelines as well. You cannot have things that you change that the other tool or the other person is not going to understand. So it's also a lot about values. We always say here in, in Sofit that we like to be very transparent. We would like to we like to be very fast. But this everybody says that anybody could tell you they do that. But if you really have the technology in place to be transparent and fast, it's because I have the data connected everywhere. And that's why I'm transparent because if I change data here, it's the same data that the agencies or my investors are gonna see. It's rapid, it's extremely fast because the change goes automatically via API. So it's really more about the business model, no, the philosophy of the model and the way how you think things could change. And the rest is just investing the time. It's just going inside, if there is some doubt, there's a YouTube tutorial and start moving step by step your process. It's easier when you start from zero, but I probably it's also easy when there's already a frame from the legacy system or from the legacy workflow that you say, okay, how can we do this faster? How yeah. can we do this more efficient? And how can we do this more transparent? And you have these three, three goals in mind. It's just starting to migrate step by step and it really is not hard and there are a lot of help out there if you're really zero technological friendly or you don't like to invest this time you can always get some freelance that says okay connect me or cable via sapphire to this and that it yeah. will take you more time you'll be slower but it's still possible right it's not that you need to invest 100 of your time if you don't have it right you can also outsource this step by step if you think about why you are able to do what you would able to do is because you had a vision for mm-hmm. how things should work. And I think Correct. most founders probably have some idea of what they're trying to do. So this is just putting in place what they already have as a blueprint in their mind. Right. And yeah, you're right. There are lots of tutorials. There are lots of freelancers that can help if you're stuck in some areas. In the last 10 minutes, I wanted to just quickly touch upon something that I saw a lot in the content that you sent me, which was high-tech, high-touch. And right. obviously, we've spent the last 45 minutes talking about high-tech. Tell me a little bit about what you mean by the high-touch philosophy for the business right. that you run. Correct. So imagine you have the best technology created and we have, you have the best no-code platforms. You managed to do all the things that we've been doing successfully. So imagine that you have all that. So when the realtor comes to the property and has all the data, all the information, he can really focus on closing the deal. Closing the deal is the toughest part of the business. It's convincing the owner why the price that you're offering is the right price for their property. And it's not based on the sales, commercial, 
blah 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 and the that and the trends and the mirror no it's based on a very profound and robust and better than anybody analysis that has been done already automated by technology across the entire process so he comes to the meeting he already has an agenda he has one button to click the data is there and now he can focus on the person his whole time is focused on the other guy how he can close the deal in these people that we are working with that we're hiring or working with us they are extremely happy because they can now focus on what they do best which is closing this business is talking to the people trying to figure out is this an old lady a young lady why is it selling is it an emotional sale is it a transactional sale he has all this time and he doesn't need to invest time in in thinking about the price valuation thinking about how effective use of the property he doesn't need to think what are the meetings they have to do on this day everything is managed and he can really focus on the people and when you have both this is what we call an ultra personalized service is because you have both you have a high tech and high touch you can touch people because you invest time in people because you have the time to invest in people but what if they say we don't agree with the numbers that you're showing us like you may have done all the analysis but we don't agree there's always sure. the human irrational element to it <laughs> this is the magic of the human no and my father is the commercial guy he tried to, he managed to explain the people or even to the agencies when the agencies make this public, the properties work with me, take this, take the listing out because you're going to be crucified by hundreds of calls. It's not worth it. You may get hundred more, but it's going to hassle. There's always this and that. So this is where the human magic comes in about how you need to convince people. We will not win all battles. Yeah. But we invest time in where we should be investing time. We are visiting, uh, I don't know, maybe seven, eight properties per day because it's all efficient. In the past, you may only took maybe two or three and be able, and maybe you, you visit eight, but you're not able to evaluate eight properties. It's very right. hard. It, it takes a lot of time. And typically, they take one hour to really have the entire perfect valuation to be able to decide, I'll give one million for that. You need to invest time. The realtors are not longer investing that time because the platform is doing that work for them. So they're really just focusing on the pros and cons. If the property owner says, no, I have to be 100K more, we may buy it for 100K more and we invest the time in analyzing that part, but everything is previously done. So it's about being fast and working with right data. We always say we don't like big data, we like right data. Data that is analyzed. And it's in a platform because this is people-based. You can inter what is good light, what is good distribution. It's subjective. But when you already have a platform that has put the subjectivity in an objective way, the entire team can decide on the deal, even if the decision maker is not on the field. So my owner, my my partner who makes the decision may be in the office, and just by looking at the data, he can make decisions. So this is the, the and, and the guy on the field is focusing on the people, not yeah. only on the sale, no? The sale is, 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 or the buy, no? In this case, no? It's the same yeah. when we're selling property. So it's, when we say for, the, for doing the numbers that we do right now, a competitor is going to need 10 times more people. They're going to be, they has to be everywhere and, and, and visiting everything and, and it has to be done manually. So it has to meet, map 10 more people. But what happened when you have 10 people? 
and you're dealing with millions, you have to be careful in the decision-making process because one mistake will cost you a lot of money. You know? So it's very hard to manage a big team when you're making million-dollar investments. So you yeah. want a fewer team. Right? That's why we say high-tech, high-touch enable us to be 10 times more efficient. I need one guy when the competition is 10 times. This is actually the benefit of technology. You know? This is scalability on service. I love the way you ended that, Gerson. In the last four minutes, I have a rapid round that I like to ask. And then, and it usually starts with, what's a book you would recommend, a book that influenced you that you would recommend to other entrepreneurs? Ooh, there, is a, there are many books. I'm reading now the Elon Musk autobiography, no? because I always forget the books I read somehow because I'm always thinking on the book I'm reading right now. So okay. I'm reading now the Elon Musk from the biography. It, it helps a lot. There's a good and bad, and I, it always helps to be in the mindset of, of somebody that's changing things and, and there are valuable things about thinking about requirements and thinking how to be more things more efficient how to think big, how to have a blueprint. We always compare ourselves to Tesla, saying we're now aiming to, to property, uh, prime property, but we're building the processes to go and deliver this kind of ultra-personalized service at the next level. It's going to be less prime property, like going outside other smaller cities, uh, and then maybe go down and down. So we try to have all these blueprints, and these are inspired by visionaries and companies like like Tesla or Elon Musk. So that's the book I'm reading right now and I extremely recommend to everybody. Excellent. And what's your favorite European city? Oof, that's hard to sell. Madrid is for me as my personal background, being a Mexican, living 20 years in Mexico and having lived 20 years in Germany, Madrid is a perfect intersection. If I go more to Catalonia and France, then I'd rather go to Munich. If I go more to the South and Cadiz and Andalusia, I'd rather go to Mexico. So Madrid is for me the perfect city for me and my family. But I also love Munich, for example. So Munich would be my second best city. Second best. Uh, <laughs> otherwise, it would be is now uh, Madrid. Okay. I'm here by choice. I'm here by choice. Yeah. What's a productivity tip or productivity tool or productivity hack? What keeps you productive? Yeah, I always like to keep up to date in 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 all the tools I'm using. So I'm I, I like to keep up to date and test new things. So a hack is people sometimes complain here in the in the, in the company that I'm I'm changing too fast too much, and, and it's true. But that keeps my mind in a very it's a mix of creativity and pragmatism. How can I always get things better of being created, but also make it executed on time. So this is for me, my productive tip would be always test things uh, and always uh, try to try to change things. There's always, the technology is changing so fast that you should not just put a stable system and then see how it goes through. No, this, there is no stable system anymore. And the only way to have an ongoing con continuing proven system is to always be testing, always be changing, always be adapting. Lovely. And my last question, what's um, a quote, like your favorite quote, either yours or someone else said it that you like to remember? Ooh, yeah, it's hard because I have to think in Spanish to remember the quotes <laughs> and then be able to translate it. So I I like the quotes I learned in, in, in Germany. It's one in German, it's called Get nicht, gib nicht. It means it, nothing is not possible. If you want to do it, you will do it. So this is a quote that I like from the Germans that they were saying, 
you can always make it happen. So just do it. I love it. Thank you, Gerson, for this helpful conversation. Hopefully, it inspires more entrepreneurs to just evaluate no-code tools and build not just their MVP, but their whole business on no-code tools, especially with how AI is supercharging a lot of these tools. So thank you for sharing some of your stories, experiences, and, and insights on that. Thanks, Anita, for the opportunity. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe. Thank you very much for listening and until next time, keep going.